ready to learn? It is a journey that we're on when we are, when we begin to move from one thing to the next. It is a journey. And the rock is what we do, it is a journey. It's a journey. You know, I said when we met this morning before service, I met with a leadership team before the first service, and when we met, we were in my office and we were having a discussion. And we were just talking about where the, this house is. And that this, again, reminding ourselves, not that we had forgotten, but just rehearsing again until it becomes so deep in our spirit that we, we get every bit of this right. But understanding that, first of all, this building isn't the church. You are. We are the church, not the building. The building's a building. It is a building. It could be anything. It could be a circle K, and it's not going to be any less anointed than this building is. This building's not anointed. You are. He doesn't anoint the building. He anoints you and me. Um, so we bring that. And in the same way, I would tell you this. Uh, from time to time, I do know that there's, there's times and days gone by when we've gone. I've gone particularly uh, myself, and I've gone to homes, and I've gone to businesses, and I've anointed the walls with oil, and I've prayed over that business that it would prosper, and it would be blessed, and it would do all of these things. I'm not doing that ever again. I'll never do that again, and I'll tell you why, because I believe the same thing about businesses and homes that I do about the building. The building is what is in it. The structure is what is in it. The only life that speaks of the structure is the life that's in the structure, and that would be you and me. That would be you and that would be me. So when we come into this thing, the life that exists here is you and me. If you walk out of this building, it is a building. There's nothing supernatural about it. There's nothing powerful about it. Just because people call it a church doesn't make it suddenly something super spiritual. It's a building. It's made out of metal and sheetrock, the same thing that the bar is made out of down the street. It's made out of the exact same materials, probably some of the same exact builders. So it, that's what's in it. What changes it is the people that gather in it and what we believe when we gather. Same is true in our homes. When we come into our house, I don't, I, I don't any longer, I used to feel like this was a needed thing and we would go to the home and we would bless the home. But when, there's no why. Why? This isn't what I'm preaching about this morning. This is just a tidbit. I hope you can chew on a little bit. But Why? Because when we go into the home, when I drive into my house, my driveway at my neighborhood, and when my wife and I live, and our two dogs, and we drive into that home, when I walk into that house, it's only as anointed as I am. It is only as spiritual as me. If I were to choose to move out of that house, it would not retain that. There's nothing it would retain. Because it doesn't, the, the anointing is not like paint. It doesn't get on the walls and stay there till someone takes it off. It's not. The anointing dwells in a living being. It dwells in you and me. It dwells in us. It doesn't take away from anything that you've ever said or done and any time you've ever, I've blessed some of your homes, I've blessed some of your businesses, and, and when I blessed them, I blessed them under, in the understanding that I had at the time. That was the revelation that you and I had at that time. I blessed our house. I walked around my house, but I realized today, really, the blessing of that house wasn't what I said when I laid hands on the walls. It's what we do every time we walk in there. Because if you bless the house and then suddenly you begin to live a cursed life, your house isn't going to save you. Would that be a true statement? 
But I can take a, an anointed man or a woman and move them into a cursed business and change the whole personality of it, ability of it. Does that make sense? So the anointing and the power to change something doesn't rest in what we speak to the building. It rests in how we receive the word of the living God in us. Amen. Have I received Christ? And in receiving Christ, did I also receive Holy Spirit? Certainly I did. And if I received Holy Spirit, am I being obedient to what I hear him telling me and how I hear him instructing me to live my life so that my choices honor God? And if my choices honor God, this house, whether it be this building or the home that I live in in Eustace, this house uh, this place where I live or work or whatever is going to reflect the nature of who Steve Parker is because the nature of God is in Steve as long as the nature of God is there. If ever that were not true, it would reflect whatever is present. Does that make sense? So why do I say that? Because it's important today for you to get what I'm about to teach you today. It's important because you need to be able to get what I'm about to say so that you can change that that is around you. You want to change your workplace. You want to change the building you want to change the structure, you want to change the atmosphere, you want to change the nature of that that is around you, the change doesn't happen by spreading your hands out. The change happens by putting your hands on self and allowing Holy Spirit to begin to give us a revelation that teaches us how to better reflect the nature of God. Amen? So are you ready today? So I want to talk about this this morning. I want to teach you uh, this word, spread the word. I'm ready, but before I can do what I'm going to do, I'm going to need some volunteers that were not present in the first service, and you did not watch the live stream. This is what you're going to do. You guys are going to go out in the lobby for, I'm going to, I'm going to give you two minutes, but you're going to answer a question. You can talk about it with yourselves, but not the group, within the group, but not with each other. Does that make sense? Not with the other groups. So each group is going to come up with their own answer. And this is what the question is. And you don't get any other input on this. This is the question. Just answer it as you hear it. What does it mean to serve? What does it mean to serve? Okay? All right. We'll give you two minutes. So what I want to talk about, obviously, this morning, is I want to talk about serving. And I want to talk about how that impacts us, and I want to be able to finish this in this service. I did not finish it in the first one, so I want to be able to wrap this up in this one. <laughs> this doesn't feel like a normal service this morning, does it? So AJ told me this morning in my office, he said, yeah, your beard's got a little salt and pepper in it. And I just said, spicy. <laughs> I, like, I like, my wife likes it with spice. So... What were we talking about? <laughs> Can we start over? Anybody visiting today is like, First pause, run. <laughs> All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to collect your paper, and I want to do it in the right order. So I want to put the, the teens. Thank you guys for participating. So we are going to talk about serving today. And 
before I can get into that, I wanted to make sure and, and do this little exercise of, thank you, of generations here. Three answers. I ask, what does it mean to serve? I've got, I've received three answers. One from the seniors group, one from the mids, that's those that are between, that fall between teenagers and the seniors, and then one from the teens. Let's read these answers. So this is from the seniors group. What does it mean to serve? Putting yourself aside to do whatever is required whenever you are asked. Very good. This is from the mids. Putting the needs of others before yourself and not expecting anything in return. Very good. Very similar. This is from the teens. What does it mean to serve? Sacrificing something of yourself to benefit others. That is a result of following God's will in your life. Great answers. So these answers did not reflect the same result that the ones did in the first. They're all right. What I was doing was attempting to use this in the way that I did in the first service, and that was with each generation, the results, and, and probably had I asked you to write a paragraph instead of one sentence, it would have become more apparent, what I'm about to say. But in the first service, what we found very clearly was the seniors had a more in-depth, detailed answer to what serving was. Then the mids was a little less, but similar. They were all similar, but it was a little less detail to the older ones. And then the teens was right, but it was less detailed. It was straight to the point. And I should have kept those, and I could have read those. But it, what it shows is, or what that showed certainly is, and if we could get this in paragraph form, it would have, I'm certain, would have been reflected the same way in this service. And that is that the older we get, the more we understand what it is, what serving is. As we grow up, and that's true of every part of our life, that the older, the more we mature, the more that we grow, we begin to learn more about any particular given subject, in this case, serving. And that is because when we talk about going around the mountain again and again and again, and I'm going to use the same analogy, same example that I used in the first service. When we talk about going around a mountain, and you've, you've heard this before, I've used this a lot. I've used it from the pulpit a lot, and I've said, I don't want to go around this mountain again, and whether, in reference to whatever it might be. And there are some mountains that I don't want to go around again. But there are other mountains that it's important that we continue to take the journey. And if you have to go around it seven times until the walls fall down, then maybe it's necessary. So what I was pointing out was the reason that an older generation has a more detailed or in-depth or deep answer to what serving is than a teenager would have is because the experiences that they have. Every time they go around a mountain, they pick up another nugget. They learn something new. Oh, I didn't see this when I walked around the last time. Then they walk around again. They pick up another nugget of truth. Oh, I didn't see this last time. So serving is this as well. And it, and it continues to grow. The older we get, the more we get around this mountain. And I want to make the point that I made earlier, and that is this, 
This is why it is important for us to be careful that none of us in the kingdom of God ever come to the place where we feel like when we gather and the teacher is teaching or the preacher is preaching or whatever's going on and we think, I've heard this, how many times will I hear this particular subject? How many times will this be taught? Never underestimate the value of a repeated word because the older you are, You've gone around the mountain a number of times, but as was reflected in the earlier responses, the teenagers had a very simple response to what serving is. It did not carry with it detail. It was a simple response. But the more they hear what serving is, the more they hear the preacher preach or the teacher teach or the parents lead or whatever it might be, the more they witness that, the more that they will grow into a full understanding of what serving is so that they can then carry it out. They can only do, we can only do, as much as we know to do. If all I know to do, if I believe that serving is simply loving somebody, then I will assume, if that is my understanding, then I will assume that all I've got to do is love and that is the fulfillment of serving. And I'm not going to make myself available to serve in other ways. But as I go around the mountain and as I hear it taught, I see it witnessed, I see it demonstrated. As I go around this mountain over and over again, I begin to grow. Oh, that's serving too. Oh, that's serving. Oh, that's serving. Oh, that's why we serve. Oh, that's what it means. And I learn something different every time. And this is what I want to talk about today. This is what I want to speak to you and me about. And I want to try to get through each of these points that are brief but they're points that I really want to make today to help us to understand the significance everybody say significance in fact say this with me say serving is really not an option now say this put your hands on yourself and as though you're talking to yourself say am I a serving person and then answer yourself quietly But am I a serving person? Now, and here's the other side of that coin. When you ask yourself, are you a serving person? Don't answer this out loud. Don't do this, Judy. Don't do this one out loud. (laughs) When you ask yourself, am I a serving person? What would the person beside you say about you? If you were to say, husbands... If you were to say, those of you that are married, if you were to say to your wives, I believe I'm a serving person, and she just nodded in agreement. (laughs) But then you asked, do you believe that I'm a serving person? And she was honest, what would she say? Well, you serve. It just happens to be you. You serve, it just happens to mainly fulfill your own interests. What's important to you is more important than what's important to anyone else in the room. And listen, as I teach this this morning, I want you to understand something. What I'm trying to do is not condemn. I hope you get this. I'm not in any way trying to add weight to anybody's life. What I want to do is lift the burden. I want to lift burdens. I want to lift it because how we serve either removes a burden from us or adds one to us. It either it removes a burden from others or it adds a burden to others. 
Every time we serve, somewhere, something's being added. What are we adding? Is it life? Is it a lighter load? What is it we're doing? So I want to do this today without condemnation. I want to do it in such a way that it will help us to grow into people who understand what serving is so that we can serve with a, uh, from a different perspective. I want to be a guy that really, I want to understand how was it that Christ was able in every way to be so incredibly selfless, you just wonder when did he brush his teeth? I don't wonder that, but if I were going to, I, because he does so much. Again, we go back to John 21, 25. If the miracles that Jesus did in his life were to be recorded, the world would not be big enough to contain the books. So he was busy. He had a lot going on. But everything that he did was selfless. I said earlier that one of the biggest, the most selfish things any of us can do, again, there's no condemnation in what I'm about to say. I'm not trying to heap condemnation on anybody. If this is you and this is one of your uh, areas of weakness, I am asking today that you make an effort to correct it whether it be you or whether it be me, make an effort to correct it because the, what I, the statement that I'm about to make is a true statement, cannot be argued. There is no argument. It is the truth. The most selfish thing any person, any human being can do is be late to anything that you are scheduled to be on time for because what you say to the people that are expecting you to be somewhere at a given time, what you are saying to them is I'm more important than you and I reign over you. You don't rule me. You're denying any authority that might reign there. If someone schedules an appointment, there's some authority that's exchanged there. Are you hearing me? Am I making any sense? I'm, no, again, I'm not trying to condemn. Are, are you with me? I'm trying to teach. I want to teach. So what you're saying is I'm the most important person in the room. Nobody's more important than me, and you don't tell me what time I'm going to be here. This is part of the nature of the millennial generation is that it's, hey, whenever I'm ready. It's a Mimi generation. We're trying to change that in this house. But we're changing that because we're coming to the place where we're learning to serve. And serving is saying, you know what? There's, and I'm using this as an example because it's one that probably impacts most people. Most people really have a very difficult time being anywhere on time. And the reality of it is we can come up with 10,000 excuses. The traffic was bad. The rain was this, whatever. But when you looked out your window, you saw that it was cloudy and it was going to rain. Leave earlier. You looked out the window. You heard on the radio. You know it's traffic. You know it's Florida. You know it's 6 o'clock in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, whatever it is. You know there's going to be traffic. You uh, you compensate for the traffic is anybody hearing what I'm saying today so to deny that you had the opportunity and the option of being there on time would be one lying against the truth and two telling everybody else that you are the boss and that you are more important than everyone else now who's the only person that can actually change that who I'm teaching remember I'm not condemning I'm teaching does it feel like teaching because I don't want it to feel like condemnation because I'm not trying to heap any weight on anybody. What I'm trying to do is remove some weight off of you and also some weight on those, of, on those who expect you to be somewhere at a given time. Because you, again, being late says to everybody else, you're just not as important as me. 
And really, when it comes to a job situation, maybe we should, maybe we should say that sometimes we should, in, if wherever you work, maybe you should get all your employees together and say to them, say, listen, when this particular person who's always late is late this morning, we're going to tell them when they walk in the door, you think you're better than me? What makes you think you're better than me? Don't you tell me when I can be here on time because you think you're better than me. One of the things I loved about President George Bush Jr., number 40, whatever he was, one of the things I loved about him, and I'm going to share this story and very quickly because I want to get to the point because I don't want to run out of time like I did earlier. One of the things I loved about George Bush uh, the second one was when he was president and he had a man on his staff his name was uh Colin Powell Colin Powell Colin Powell Colin Colin Powell and Colin Powell's notorious for being late and he's a military commander four star but notorious for never being on time most selfish person he's he was known as the most selfish selfish person on the White House staff because of that. And one day, George Bush was tired of having cabinet meetings or meetings when they would come together. Some of you know this story. And he, got, he was weary of it because he was a very prompt person. And he did not appreciate people who were late or tardy and, and doing it. Sometimes it happens. But when it's consistent, when it becomes a person's lifestyle, there's a problem. So I loved what he did. And what he did one day is he told all of the staff, he said, when we get in there today, this is when the meeting is. It's always at the same time every week. And he said, when we get in here today, lock the door. Let's say it was 8 o'clock. Let's say the meeting was at 8 o'clock. He had the meeting. I'm just saying it was 8. I don't know if it was 8, but I'm going to say that like it was. He had the meeting at 8 o'clock. <clears throat> when they came in, when the last person came in, 8 o'clock, when the bell rang, it's 8 o'clock, they locked the door to the room that they were having the staff meeting at. About 10 minutes later, there's a knock on the door. It's Colin Powell. He's knocking on the door. George Bush said, don't get it. But he is the whatever he was. What was he? He was late. <laughs> said, don't get it. But he's the, he's late. He's not a part of this meeting. What's important to him? What you have to say isn't important to him. He only wants to come and talk about what he wants to talk about. He showed up in time to talk about his agenda. He's not interested in what we're talking about, so he's not coming today. So they went through the whole meeting. He never came to the meeting, and he was livid, livid. And I, it's, I forgot. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. He was livid. Shortly thereafter, he resigned because it was more important to him to be selfish than it was to serve. Now, somebody might argue and say, but he served the country. Yes, he did. But are you really serving if you serve only where you appreciate serving? Is it really serving if I say I'll serve here because I like it, but I'm not serving there because I don't? I don't want to listen to what they've got to say. I'll serve over here. It's easy to serve in the military when you're in charge. Because you decide when the meetings are. Well, if I were going to have the meeting, I'd have it at 10 o'clock. I wouldn't have it at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock is just too early. But you're not in charge. Right. Do you hear what I'm saying today? Amen. This isn't about being late. It isn't about being on time. This is about serving. This is about recognizing how 
we serve impacts others. It's about recognizing the ways that each of us serve and the understanding of serving that we have that reflects the nature of God. Because at the end of the day, we want to look as much like God as we possibly can. I would say that would be true, wouldn't you? I want to look as much like Him. I want as much of Him as possible to be reflected in my life to be reflected in my choices, to be reflected. Whatever it is that Yahweh would do, I want to somehow find myself reflecting that. I want somebody to say, man, what that guy just did, nobody does that. Nobody does that. But he just did it. Why did he do it? Because he just believes that there's a way to do things that really honors everybody else. And well, why would he do that? This is 2019, 2020. Why would he, why would he even do that? Well, because he wants to honor his God. Well, I don't get that. Well, you honor. And then eventually it begins to change. So let's talk about it this morning. First of all, I want to talk about these points. One, love to serve. We have got to love to serve, love to serve. Everybody say this with me, love to serve, love to serve. more than I love being served. Man, that's tough. Isn't that hard? Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Again, it depends on if I like what I'm going to be doing. If I like it, it's super easy. For me, I'm a numbers guy. I'm a finance guy. I like numbers. I like working with finance. I, that's what I do. That's, that's how my mind works. It's, it's easy for me. So when people say, can you sit down with me and, and, and help me do a budget? I, quick, I'm on it. I'll help you. It doesn't bother me at all. It's interesting to me. It's fascinating to me. On the other hand, somebody, or my son says to me, Dad, I want to work on my car. Can we do some, and I'll jump right on because I love it. I love working on the car with my son, even though I'm serving him. I enjoy it. We did it yesterday, working on his car, and I enjoy it. But if somebody says to me, you know what? I need to paint something. Can you help me paint something? Man, I'm reluctant. Paint hates me, and I hate to paint. But some of the paint on the, well, these walls under that layer, <laughs> I painted to serve the people that called at home at the time that I painted it because it had to be done so it would look good because I wanted it to reflect you well. So I got in here with a roller with whoever else, there was a bunch of us, and we're all in here with rollers. There's paint flying everywhere. But we serve. It's easy to serve where we want to serve. It's easy to do that but we have got we have got to come to the place where we love to serve even more than we appreciate being served we're always going to love to be served because we're human we love to be served listen we have the nature of God in us he created you to serve him he loves to be served Loves it. His nature is in you and me. He loves to be served. We love to be served. But what he loves more than being served is serving. He sent his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life because he loves to serve. I'm going to give my very best, the only one I've got. It's not something that I would want to do. I don't just get up in the morning and say, oh, I have a great idea. I'm going to let him kill my son. But I'm going to serve them because their only way back into a right relationship with me is to do this. So I'm going to serve these rascals. I'm going to serve them. Serving does not say this. Serving 
does not consider what it gets in return. What? Are you kidding? Serving does not consider what it gets in return. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10, verse 45, please. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. It says this. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and he came to give his life as a ransom for many. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Of course, he's talking about himself. And then in Galatians 5.13, it says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, but do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. In other words, do not use your freedom as an opportunity to just take care of yourself. But through love, serve one another. Use the freedom that you've been given in your relationship with Christ when you came into that relationship. Use the freedom that you've been given to find a way to serve one another. How can I serve other people? How, how can I take my focus off how they're taking care of me and focus on how can I take care of them? I said something the other day. This doesn't make me... Uh, perfect at this because I'm not. There are a lot. Of, I, I have to change as much as anybody in this room. I have to allow Holy Spirit to work on me because I find myself sometimes, if I'm being honest, and I am being honest, um, I, I find myself sometimes, Steve, you need to correct that. I, I say to my wife from time to time, I really want to work on that. I really want to change this about me. I don't like this particular thing. And even when my wife will say to me, she'll say, well, I don't know why you say that about you because it's not true. I believe it's true. So because I believe it's true, I need, to, I need to work on that because I feel like that area of me does not serve her well. And I want that area to serve her well. And, and one of my passions I said in staff meeting recently when we were meeting in here and there are 40-something uh, people that are on staff in the, in the church and the Rock Academy and the Kids Rock Early Learning Center that are actually on paid staff, 40-something people. And I said in the staff meeting with the leadership the other day, I said, this is, I'll tell you what my heart is. My heart is that the people that are on staff are the highest paid in, their, in the industry in what they do, whether it's the Kids Rock or the Rock Academy or the church. I want them to be the highest paid anywhere around. I want them to be the ones that are paid the best, have the best benefits. I want them to have all of that. Why? Because... I want to, if I can serve them in that capacity, if I can serve them, I'm not looking for the return on what they're going to do well. You know, he, 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 he's, you know, taking the time out to do this. It's because it's right. And I think every single, my belief is, anybody who owns or has a stake in the leadership and decision-making process of any business or any organization is at fault when they do not position themselves to move towards being the industry that pays the best, treats their employees the best, and makes the biggest mark. We are faulting ourselves and robbing from ourselves. And I want to change that. It doesn't happen overnight. What people are paid, anybody. I could go preach at a church somewhere else and be paid more than the rock than I'm paid at the rock. I could do that. I could make more money. Everybody that's on staff here could go somewhere else and could make more money than what they're being paid. This isn't all about money, but hear what I'm telling you this morning. You, you got to get the principle. 
The principle is I have to make everyone else and what's going on around me more important than what I want. The truth is, the rest of the truth is, I could pay myself a lot more if I would pay the staff less. A lot more. If I would just pay Shalon less or Tamara less or whomever less, and I went on down the road, and Kaylee less, and, and AJ less, and if I would just, well, if I reduce their pay by this amount of money, I can increase my pay by that amount of money. That isn't leadership. That's selfish. Sometimes you might even have a right to it. You might even have a right to it. I have a right to this. It wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for me. And the decisions we made and the blood, sweat, and the tears. So why would I move towards elevating them and, and increasing their Why would I, in this regard, this example, why would I do that? Because my heart, if you can elevate those who are around you, that's leadership. That's service. That's serving. I never want to be the guy that if everything's the same, and again, everything has to be the same because you'll understand what I'm saying in a moment. I don't want to be the guy that when I'm eating filet mignon, everybody on my staff is doing really good just to buy a burger. That's not right. That is so out of order, and Yahweh will not bless that. He will not honor that. Whatever honor might come from that, it will be short-lived. I love filet. Now, all things even, though. I'm not going to say, because my wife and I are diligent over our finances, and we pay our bills, and we do all of that, and we don't spend where we shouldn't. And we don't loosely spend money. Now, if people on the staff are loosely spending money and they're eating burgers because of that, that's their fault. That's on them. But if I'm paying them enough to eat a filet, but they spend it foolishly so they're eating burgers and spaghetti, that's on them. Does that make sense? But my heart is to serve them. My heart is to find a way. How can I do this? How can I raise them and bring them to another level that's the nature of God that is the nature of the father his heart and soul is to bring you and me to another level and he brings us to another level because he serves us he has served us in every way I've got to love to serve more than I love being served there's nobody <laughs> there isn't anybody that can give me a raise I make the decision at the end of the day if I wanted to walk out of here after service this morning and say, I'm going to give myself a raise today. And the finances were there and capable of doing it, and they actually are. I could just say, I'm going to give myself a raise. I'm not doing that. Do you know what we, do in that, we did in that meeting back there? How can we get the, the team, the people who come in here diligently and faithfully every day and are on time, if you're, not, if, if you're not on time and you don't value my time as much as you do your own, I'm not giving you a raise. Hear me. 
You got to hear what I'm telling you today. I'm preaching gospel. I hope you receive it as gospel. And we sat in there. How can we elevate them? How can we elevate the people that help us? And listen, half of them don't even go to this church. But you know what I'm not going to say about them? Well, they don't go to the church, so they're going to get a third of the portion. Oh, no. No, 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 no. This rising tide is going to float every boat. I'm not, we don't, we don't look for a way to serve because you're righteous. We look for a way to serve because you live, because you're alive. So serving does not consider what it gets in return. Second thing, serving is filling a need not because I'm qualified, but because I'm willing. It's filling a need not because I'm qualified, but because I'm willing. Because I'm willing. Well, you know, I would help out over here, and let's just use this building as the rock. I would help out in children's ministry if, if I were good with kids or if I liked kids. <laughs> I just don't want to change diapers, so I'm not going to help out over there. I know there's a need. I know they put, that on the, they put it on the website. It's on the screens out there, and I know they have a need in children's ministry, and I know they need volunteers, but you know what? I wipe my kid's butt all day long. I don't want to go wipe some other kid's butt. I'm just making it real. I'm not wiping. I... I'm not doing that. Why? Whose house is it? Whose house is it? It's our house. It's our house. So really a person who's, who's willing to serve says, I'm not interested in whether I'm qualified I'm willing. Now, in your willingness, you might go and say, you know what, I would like to do this. And the person who's in charge of whatever that area might be or that particular place might say, well, um, do you like kids? Well, uh, the ones I see on TV. <laughs> well, can we, maybe we'll find you another place where you can serve. But they might say, well, good, this is a great opportunity for you to learn to love them. I promise you, you go to our children's department and ask if you can serve, you will not be turned away. I just, putting that out, let me just say that one more time. You go to the kids' department and ask if you can serve, you will not be turned away. You can see Jenny right after service today. Ushers and greeters. Well, you know what, I just, you know, I, don't, I can't really, I don't know, you know, I'm just not really that talkative guy. Really, you, you, there's no qualifications for ushers and greeters except for iron your shirt and smile. <laughs> and I'm going to start with iron your shirt. Don't come looking like your wife just got you out of your drawer. But serve. I'm not looking for places to serve because I'm qualified. I'm looking for places to serve because I'm willing. Does it reflect my heart? What, what does your heart reflect? What do you do when they're, when they're, again, stacking chairs after service and getting ready? How many people look at the chairs, turn their head, and keep walking, pretend like they didn't see it? How many people do that? 
Or when Joe Hoffman, he's on a cane and he's walking around and he's picking up pieces of paper in the building. How many people are jumping in there just, just to help him do that? We have people, you serve in so many, this is not, again, walk with me. I want to open the eyes of those where eyes aren't opened. I want you to see. Is it in you? Is serving in you? Are you wondering, how can I get involved in this place? I just want to get involved at the rock. I want to become a part of the rock. I want to tell you today, ask yourself, are you willing to serve? Because if you're willing to serve, the first way to get involved is serve. Don't be the one that's coming looking to be served. I'm just going to go to the rock and I'm going to let them preach to me and teach me and then I'm going to go home and I'm going to get something to eat and, I'm going to, and I'll start over again next Sunday. No, no. Serving isn't a Sunday thing. Serving is a life thing. It's a life thing. It's filling a need not because I'm qualified but because I'm willing. Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints. You show just how much you love him in the way that we serve. We demonstrate just how much we love him in the way that we serve. One of the biggest challenges I had when we started The Rock, one of the biggest challenges I had, and I was always looking for a way. It, it, <clears throat> it was nearly impossible for me to ask for volunteers. I hated it. You know, most churches, they go and they say they hate, the preachers hate to receive the tithe and offering because they're afraid that people are going to be scorned by it or turned off by it and what have you. That never bothered me. But what did bother me is asking for volunteers because I just wanted to pay everybody. It bothered me to ask somebody to do the sound or to clean the floor or help with a building or do whatever because I always felt like, ah, oh, you know, and, and I think the other part of it is you, you can't fire volunteers. Oh, you were fired? <laughs> but it was, it was difficult for me, and sometimes still is. But what happens? What happens, Amy? What happens, Tamara? What happens? What happens? If we come to the place when the heart of the Father is so reflected in us, there's, there are more people willing to serve than there are jobs to be filled, opportunities to serve. That'll never happen. Want me to tell you why? Because whoever the Father gathers in any given place, He's provided a place for every single person to serve in some capacity. Might not be serving the way that we want to, but remember, it's about being willing. It's not serving if you say, I'll serve, but only here. That's not serving. That's not serving. Because that's selfish. I'll only serve in this place. Serving is saying, what do you need? And I'm not talking about just this building. I'm talking about life. You want to serve your neighbor. You want to serve your husband. You want to serve your wife. How can I help you? What can I do to help you? He says, God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name by serving the saints. He recognizes it. He recognizes when we position ourselves, Jacob Hyde, to serve. Next, serving is more than just waiting tables. Romans 7, 6 says, But now we are released from the law, having died to those things that held us captive. Why? Why? There needs to be a why in here. 
But now we are released from the law and we have died to that that held us captive. Why? So that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the law or in this version, the written code. Now we're serving by the spirit, not by the law. See, you can't force it. You cannot do that. It, and it is more than just wait. It's more than doing this thing legalistically. Oh, this is my job. I'm going to do this. This is my thing. I'm going to do this. I've got to come into this thing with the right spirit. And you can even serve where you're paid to do it. Serving isn't just about volunteering. You've got to see yourself as a servant even when you're getting money for it. You look at this thing. You know what? I'm serving whatever it might be. If it's, you're getting money for it, it's probably an organization or a business or whatever. I'm serving here. If it's not, I'm, wherever it is, you're volunteering, I'm serving because I've been freed to serve. Liberated from the law so that I can move into this thing with a right heart. And then you ask yourself, do I have a right heart about where I'm serving? Am I glad for this thing? And, and if I'm not, can I... Ask Holy Spirit to change my attitude so that I go in here and I don't look at this thing like, oh, I'm uh, whatever, and grumble about it, but I look at this thing like, I have opportunity to serve the Father by serving this place, this position, this moment. And it's not by the law. Nobody's saying, I have to do this, but I'm going to look at this thing from the perspective of, I get to do this. I get to do this. Serving is more than waiting tables. Serving honors. 1 Peter 4.10 says, in the New International Version, it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its numerous or various forms that is a powerful statement each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others whatever gift you have received whatever gift you have received what gift have you received some of those gifts even though we said it's not about being qualified but sometimes we are qualified to do things I had there was a man in my life one time and for a season a man uh, that we were very close to. My family was very close to this particular person. And I had helped him numerous times because for so many years, I was an electrician for a long time, for 14 years. Um, I did some electrical work and uh, didn't get very far. I was, ended up being a journeyman and I was able to wire houses and what have you, but I knew how to wire houses. I still do know how to wire homes. And this particular man, along with, uh, his wife, were building a home. And when they were building the home, because I was an electrician for so long, and they knew that I was an electrician for so long, they asked me, would I be willing, uh, Kim and I, to drive to where they lived, and at their expense, uh, they would take care of us if I would wire their home that they were building. And then they were going to pay me a certain amount of money, and I said, we'll come, you just pay our way to get there, and we'll come, and I'll be happy to wire your home. You just buy the materials, and I sent them a list of the materials, told them everything that they needed to wire the house, and Kim and I drove there, and we went, and we wire, I wired the house. It took me about three days to do it. I did it alone, and I wired the house and got it all set up, passed inspections and everything else, and it was all said and done. It was good. Now, they wrote me a check. They ended up writing us a check for 
I don't remember what, but they did write us a small check for, for doing the home. I tried not to accept it, uh, and they were not going to allow that to happen. So we accepted the check, and, and we went on. House was great. It was wired. And then it, sometime later, we ended up living near them and living near them. Anytime they needed anything electrical, and this particular person was a certified public accountant. He was a CPA. Anytime they needed anything electrical, this particular man would call and he would say, hey man, we've got, I need a plug moved, you know, can you move this plug and, or I got a light I've got, will you come put this light in or I've got a whatever, can you, would you mind coming and doing this whenever you get a chance? I never said no, never one time, my wife will tell you. I never one time said no and it wasn't convenient a lot of times, it just wasn't convenient. We had little babies and children and things to do and, but I would go because I love them and I, and I enjoy the, the labor. I enjoyed the, that type of labor. And I would go and I would wire and I would do whatever it was, whether it was wiring their shed or wiring a light or wiring a plug or moving a whatever. I would do that. Never complained about it. But then when we started the church, or shortly after we started the church, the, the rock, we started the rock, we are the church, and we started the rock, this particular person, because they were a CPA. Now, I, I've, I had done literally thousands and thousands of dollars worth of work for this man. Never charged them. Other than the one time they paid us, it was $600 they paid us to wire their house at that point, first. After that, never received another dime from him for doing any electrical work. Never asked for it, never wanted it, didn't care. I was serving, I was happy to do it. We started the church, and when we started the church, uh, the rock, uh, sometime after that, we were getting ready to buy this land. This was back whenever, a long time ago. We were getting ready to buy this land, and I needed a, some financial records, some financial reports that had to be, I could do the report. Doing the report wasn't hard, but it had to be approved and stamped by a CPA. So I said to him, I called him, and I said, hey, listen, um, told him what I needed, and he lived nearby, and I said, I'm going to, I'll do the reports, I'll create the reports if you can just, uh, approve them, look at them, make sure they're right, and just put your stamp on it. Took him all of 10 minutes, if that, to review the reports, put the stamp on it. Sent me a check for $800. I mean, sent me a bill for $800. Went to the church. Was part of this house then. In my first thought, I was angry at first. I thought, I'm going to send it back to you with an invoice for about $10,000. And I was upset about it, and I talked about it with my wife, and she wasn't really much happier than me, but just a little bit more. And she said, but you didn't do that for them, for that. And it revealed your heart, and it's revealed his heart. Best thing you can do is never ask him to do that again, and I never have, never did. But even after that, every time he'd call and ask me to come wire something, you know what I did? I got in my truck and went and wired it every time. Never a single time said no. Now, if he asked me today, I might. I, would. I haven't talked to him in years. But we serve because it is in us. And sometimes it just 
doesn't matter what it looks like on the other side. He said, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. I, have a, I had a gift. I was able to wire. I'm good with finance. I'm good with numbers. Numbers come easy to me. I'm happy to serve anyone in that capacity. I'm never looking to say, what can I get from you for that? Not that it wouldn't be. Now, sometimes if it were my living, like Chris is a builder, he renovates, and he's great at it. He's very good. He's done jobs for me. He's done jobs in this building. He's, he's amazing at it. But if I were Chris, I would look for an opportunity. If somebody said, hey, can you come and build this wall or whatever, I would, I would charge for that because that's my living. In his case, that's his living. That's how he makes a living. There's nothing wrong with him saying, I'll do this. I promise you, you're not going to outserve Chris. It's just not going to happen. In fact, I challenge you to try. But he, he will do that. And he needs to charge, and I would if it were my living. But serving honors. It honors doesn't require commandments or orders. It's not serving if somebody has to say, do this, do this, do this. Well, that was in my heart to do it. Well, if it were in your heart to do it, you should have done it before I had to instruct you to do it. It's not serving. If I, once I ask you to do it, serving's gone. Now it's become a responsibility. It's not the same thing. If it's a responsibility, it's not the same as serving. You can turn responsibility into serving, but it doesn't start that way. And we have to serve our friends just like we serve our enemies. Our enemies just like we serve our friends. Mm. Those who love us and those who don't. Ouch. That's serving. We serve those who love us. We serve those who don't. We serve those we like, and we serve those we don't necessarily like. We serve them. Why? Because, see... If I choose, I like this guy. I like Alex. I'm going to serve Alex. I'm going to do something for Alex. But I don't like Sarah. I do like Sarah. Don't, don't, stop. It's enough, it's enough. I love Sarah. But let's say I don't. Hypothetically. But I don't like Sarah. So I'm going to serve him, but I'm not serving her. Bless God. There's no honor in that. Anybody can do that. In fact, we're expected to do that. I don't want to do what I'm expected to do. I want to freak people out that I blow their expectation. I come from the other direction. So we serve whether we love them or we don't, we like them or we don't, because at the end of the day, it honors the Father. It would behoove us to be a people, to look around us and be aware of what is around us and find out 
where can I serve? We do not serve, as I said earlier, we don't serve for the reward, but there will be one if we serve for the right reasons. We don't serve because we want to be noticed or we want a pat on the back or we want somebody to say, uh, well done or whatever. We don't serve for that reason, but there's always going to be some kind of reward. Because even if it doesn't come from a man or a woman, it, it will come from the Father. Because He will return it back to us. So we've got to serve. We need to find it in us. If we're not, or if we come at it from the wrong perspective, or we're always we're trying to decide who we will or who we won't serve, Holy Spirit, help us today. First of all, forgive us. And then help us get past that. So that we can serve one another as unto the Lord. Amen. And He is honored by what we do and the way that we do it. Now, I can tell you there's a lot of places in this house you can serve. And you may think, man, he preached this message just so people would start serving in areas of this house. I didn't, but now that we're here. <laughs> we need you in this house. We have places all over the place for you to serve in. And you know what's more than that? There's people all over this building that need you to help serve them. They do, and you don't always know. It's not about being qualified. Let's get that. Let's, let's just erase that. Now, you might be qualified for something that you can do and do that. That's okay. Qualification is good too. But if you're not qualified, don't vote yourself out. And certainly don't use it as an excuse. But ask yourself, where's my heart in this? And I'm going to use this last example that I used in the first service today because it's important to me. Because I've been with people that this has not been the case. And I want this, I want you to reflect the Father in a way that the world doesn't expect you to do. I want you to get past what they expect. And that is when it comes to going out, and when we talk about waiting tables and someone serving you when you go out to eat, some of you are going to go out to eat this afternoon. I'm, not, I, I'm in no way going to tell you what to tip. I'll use me as an example. And Kim and I, doesn't matter where we go, we go out to eat. I never, never, never less than 20% of the tab. Never. Even if they put on there some of those places, they have an automatic 18% if you have a group of five or more, I still add whatever's necessary to put that at least at 20%. That's the minimum is a 20% tip. And if I can't afford to tip, you have an idea when you're going to eat. You have an idea what that's going to cost you. So you also know what it will cost you to add a tip to that. If you can't afford to eat there, go somewhere where you can afford to tip well so that you can serve that place and be a testimony of the goodness of God. So when Tim and, Kim and I go, and we'll go eat, not Tim and I, but Kim and I, when Kim and I go, and we go somewhere, I'm always going to do that. Minimum is 20%, but I wasn't always like that. It wasn't always that way. I used to do what so many do, and that is I would tip based on the quality of service I received. They serve me well. I'll tip them well. Well, that goes two ways. And I'm glad that the Father doesn't say to you and me, they serve me well, I'll reward them well. I'm glad He doesn't say, serve me well, I'll love you well. But on your bad day, <laughs> it's going to rain on your parade. 
But I'd go into a restaurant and I would do the thing where you take a penny and I got bad service and I'd take that penny and I'd put the head down on the table. Let them know, man, you're terrible. Your service is horrible. This is a long time ago. <laughs> long time ago. But I was a believer. But I didn't know any better because I thought I had a right. I thought, man, I'm, I'm about to educate this guy. This waiter, this waitress, I'm about to educate them. That's back when they were waitresses and waiters, and now they're, what are they now? Servers. There's nothing manly or feminine about any description. You've got to make sure I am not doing that. Waiters and waitresses. <laughs> Just like there's hosts and hostesses, and there are stewards and stewardesses, and there are hims and hers. But if it was bad, I'd put that head down, that penny down, and I'd let them know. And I'd feel good about it. And I'd walk out. And you know what? They made as many trips to that kitchen as the guy that did a good job. And then sometimes later, sometime later, Holy Spirit began to help me understand. You think this is about you. Or you think you're educating them. Truth is, this is a reflection of your heart. It's not a reflection of their service. Every time you put that penny down, you put that thing head down, that's a reflection of your heart. That's not a reflection of their service. You think you're letting them know how bad they did, and what you're really doing is you're letting them know how horrible of a person you are, how uncaring you are. Changed, this is years ago, 20 years ago, I don't know, a long time ago. Changed my entire perspective. And I go in there, if I get the absolute worst service, before I leave, they're smiling because I have left them something to smile about. doesn't matter what they thought. could have been bad food, cold food, the wrong food, whatever food, uncooked, overcooked, didn't matter. When I sit down at that table, when I walk into that restaurant, I want them to look and say, I want that guy. I want to take care of that guy. Because no matter what, I know what he's going to do. I'm not going to tell you what you have to tip. What I'm going to tell you today is, can we be educated this morning and use this teaching as an opportunity for Holy Spirit to really make us aware of what serving really is? Serving is never about the other person. It's never about us. It's always about the others. It's not about me. It's not about me. Where's their need? Where's their avoid? Where is there a place where I can demonstrate the grace, the goodness, the faithfulness, the love, the inspiration, the omnipotence, the amazingness of my God? Where can I demonstrate that? Where can I release that? And I'm going to release it. Do you hear me today? Yes. I think they're one and the same and separate. I think they're both. I think, a, she said, is there a difference between service and a blessing, or uh, are they one and the same? Is that correct? Or would I count service as a blessing? I would count service as a blessing, serving as a blessing, but also sometimes it's, it's not the same because a blessing can be something that's not serving. Another, well, maybe not. 
If I go to somebody and I say, you know what, I want to, and I'm going to do it in the realm of money. If I go to somebody and say, I want to sow $500 into you, I'm serving them, even though it's not really, I'm not doing anything laborious for them, but I am making a way for them. It's still serving. So really, yes, they are. They're really one and the same, sort of. It's one and the same in that, you know what, I consider anytime someone... When my wife serves me, if I'm sick or I'm not sick or I'm sitting at the, even last night, you know, I'm sitting on the sofa. This is my wife. This is the nature of my wife, and she's amazing. It, it's, it's natural to her. She doesn't have to think about it. Um, the, the area that she's improving on is, is uh, uh, is wonderful. But even last night, you know, she's in there. She's getting her a hot tea or something to drink. And she, didn't, she doesn't think about it. I mean, it's not work to her. But she, would you like something? Yeah, I would like one too. And she'll make it just, that's simple. It's simple. But that's her nature is, is the, and that blessed me. And I think about that when she does that. And then I'll say things. I think, I don't know if I said it this service or the last service. But then I'll think about myself and I'll say, make comments to her and say, you know, there's things about me that I, I want to really change. And my wife is a teacher. When it comes to serving, she's such a teacher. She's such a demonstration of that because she will drop whatever she's doing. I feel like I've said this already. But she will drop whatever she's doing to, to serve whoever's around her. There's nothing she's doing that's more important than what's going on around her. And I've never seen anybody that takes it to the level that she does so effortlessly. For me, I love to serve, and I will serve, and, and there's times that it's really easy, and then there's times that it's really hard because I might be in the middle of doing something, and it's hard to get away from that. I don't think she ever considers. I mean, some things, obviously, you can't just walk away and say, well, excuse me, employer, but somebody needs me, so I'm, forget you. It doesn't work that way. You know what I'm saying. So it's one and the same, I feel like, for me, for me. And I feel served. I never come into this building and feel like unserved. I, I'm, I'm always amazed every week. I mean, the whole building's clean. I, I can't tell you the last I've cleaned these toilets. Every toilet in this building I've cleaned a lot, every single one. But I don't remember the last time I did. It's done every week. It's done every day. It's supposed to be done every day. <laughs> every day. But I never, I never think about it. Because people are in place that serve, serve well. And they do that in whatever, whether it take care of the kids. They, take, they teach the classes. They greet at the door. They run the sound. I've got Cody back there running this. First time I even looked at Cody this morning. And he's back there behind the camera and running the sound and making sure that you can hear everything that's being said and, and get the teaching that you're getting this morning. And, and he's serving. And I've got Nicholas over here you're doing the screens. You're not on YouTube, right? Okay. And he's back there on the computer doing his thing, but he's serving this team. And, and you go around, it would be very difficult for me right now to name every single person that has served in some capacity already today. I would have a hard time naming every one, one of them. It would be difficult. Can I tell you today, think this thing through. Consider, what kind of heart do you have?
Do you avoid an opportunity to serve? Don't avoid it. Run to it. Because at the end of the day, no one serves better than the Father, and, and he did that not so that he could do it all for us, but so that he could show us how. Amen. Let that be our heart. As, as it relates to the rock, there's a lot of places. You want to serve, we'll give you places. As it, as it relates to your neighborhood, your job, your family, only you know in what ways you can do it there. We'll help you here. But there, only you know. But be open to it. Taste and see that his word is true and good. And I promise you, it will change you. Amen? Amen. Stand with me. Father, I lift my voice. I am blessed, 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 blessed.